Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right. There you go. Well, it's good to be here, um, and uh, glad that you've come to worship the Lord with us and receive the Word. And Kathy and I spent the last few days in Muskegon. And we have a number of churches in Michigan that are part of our network. And so we were up there fellowshipping and just uh, spending time with... Uh, uh, leaders in like-minded churches. And you know, we're part of a network that's worldwide. There's actually close to 11,000 churches all over the world that are, are connected with our same values. And then if you would count all of the churches that are part of the Revival Alliance, which would be sister networks like the, the Bethel churches under Bill Johnson and, and uh, Randy Clark's churches and uh, all the other churches. I mean, there's literally just, it's, it's amazing to be part of a move of God that's, that's so powerful, so worldwide. Um, but you know, all of that doesn't matter if, if the local congregations aren't thriving. You know, uh, and and so we as a local congregation comp- are 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 really the most important part of any network or global uh, activity of God. It's it's we're the players on the field, right? And so it's as we do life together and as we advance the kingdom, which is what we're talking about this uh, quarter. Uh, that's what advances the kingdom worldwide. And so as we work locally. God works globally. Does that make sense? And so as we partner together in whatever, you know, whatever the Lord gives you to do, you do it with your whole heart, then we can advance God's agenda worldwide. So one of the things I just want to mention before I, I get into the message this morning is one of the things we're doing locally is, is in the ministry in the, uh, <coughs> wow, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> I'm gonna go on my throne. It's okay. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to preach the rest of the sermon like this. <laughs> Listen, guys. Vinny over there by the door. He's gonna come. So if you don't pay attention, there's gonna be a price to pay. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I just watched the movie with uh, what's his name, De Niro. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we're trying to buy the Iglesia. See, <laughs> so now the Iglesia update. What's happening with the Iglesia? We've been talking for the last few months about purchasing this facility downtown, and there's a long history, and I'm not going to take time to go into it, but I do want to po- uh, direct your attention to the new bulletin. <clears throat> Didn't Tori do a great job? Yay, Tori. Tori has worked a lot. You'd be surprised how many, how much time it takes to make it work. But um, uh, on the back of it is uh, an update concerning uh, the uh, 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 fundraiser and uh, our vision to purchase this building, kind of where we're at, and uh, the details. So we, we are pushing forward. We, we believe, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go for it as far as I can take it um, and, and trust that God's going to provide. And the whole time, I've just had a sense that God's going God's to provide for this and, and we want to purchase that building so that it can remain a ministry center for the Vine neighborhood. Vine neighborhood, if you're not familiar with it, <clears throat> is one of the least reached uh, uh, communities in our, our, our region. And so it's a high-need uh, community. In other words, there's a lot of people in that neighborhood that are 
not seeking God <laughs> and are, are involved in, in uh, lifestyles that are destructive. And we just want to be the light shining there. And so this is an opportunity to have a facility to do that. And so just ask that you join with me in praying that we're able to, to do that. So, if, And if the clicker begins to work... Uh, <clears throat> It was working? Works great when I'm not here. It was the last time we switched to the other clicker, didn't we? <coughs> so I heard last, last week I wasn't here. I was in Vandalia. And I heard that there were no technical glitches whatsoever. <laughs> it's just not working. <coughs> and I have a... I got this thing in my throat, see? Let me just switch it over to the other. I had this tissue up here for a reason. And the reason was I wanted to pause... And let's turn our hearts and attention to the Lord while they work out to fig- figure out the technical. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, the, we enter into worship, uh, we enter into God's presence through worship and praise. That's why we start out our services with 30 minutes of singing. And we sing songs about God to, to, to direct our attention, but also to prepare the atmosphere to enter in. And then we, we teach. We talk about God's Word, which I'm going to do in just a minute. <clears throat> but I just want to remember, let's take a moment. And, 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 you know, if it's not the presence, if it's not God bringing about uh, transformation, then really what we're doing is this, you know, song and dance, uh, a performance. And that's not what church is all about. And so could you just close your eyes and uh, ask God, Father, come. Uh, Lord, we, we make room for your presence. We ask that you would, would work in our hearts and minds and, and bring transformation through your word, uh, but also through your, your active presence in our midst. Father, we thank you that you're able to do that through the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Still not working, guys. Oh, oh. That's you. Okay, there's another clicker. It wasn't working either. Really? Isn't that something? No, it's not the batteries. Batteries are working. Okay, we got it. It was Diane. She fixed it. All right, so we're talking this quarter about, or this month about breaking barriers, which is really about encouraging us and equipping us to extend the kingdom of God. And this is the tail end of our, our whole year on our f- core values of uh, summed up in the acronym, the fire of God, sharing the fire of God. And so we talked about father, heart, intimacy, restoration. And those first uh, three things were really inward focused about getting our hearts right. But that's intentional. Because if we don't have it going on inwardly, we're not going to have it to give. You know, Peter, Peter and the disciples were walking to the temple in the, in, in the book of Acts, in the early church. 
And there was a lame man standing, or it's not standing, there was a lame man sitting <laughs> at the entrance of the, at the temple, and, and he, was, he was asking for money. And uh, uh, Peter said, you know, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give thee. And he reached down, and he says, rise up and walk. And that guy leapt to his feet and just started walking. You know, wow. But the key there is, you know, we only can give what we have. And so it's really important that we really have a relationship with the fathers. It's important that we have intimacy. We have something going on in our hearts with God and with one another. It's important that we have our lives healed up. Uh, uh, but, you know, it's also important that, that all of that is unto something. In other words, we don't do that just so that we're good people. Uh, there's a bigger purpose, there's, a, there's an agenda, if you will, in the kingdom of God, and that's to extend God's kingdom. Last week, Graham uh, taught about the global church and, the, and getting a vision of God's work worldwide. And the truth is, <clears throat> is that the message of the gospel is for every man, woman, child on planet earth. And I hope that just that, that phrase drills into your mind. Because you never have to ask yourself, Oh God, do you want me to share the gospel with that person? Okay, if you're asking that question, you don't understand the question. Does that make sense? Because wherever you are, in whatever context, now maybe it's not the right time, but God wants the gospel to be heard by every person. And He wants to see, He doesn't desire that any should perish. And so it's for the whole world. But there are barriers that come up that get in between us and our experience in communicating the gospel to every man, woman, and child, or, or the men, women, and children that God's put in our lives. There's these barriers. And so this month we're going to be talking about some of those barriers, like how do we make the gospel real and meaningful in this century? It's the 21st century. And I grew up most of my life, you know, it's the 20th century. And now we're... We're well into the 21st century, and things have changed. How do we know who to share the gospel? I mean, how do we even know? Who is our neighbor? I think Mark's going to be sharing. You know, who is it that we're called to communicate? How do we talk to family members? I mean, <clears throat> you know, my brother, uh, when I was an early Christian, I was, I, unlike now, <laughs> I was zealous. <laughs> I'm mellowed now. <laughs> but my, my brother kicked me out of his house. Like, physically. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> because I was preaching, I was preaching the gospel in a, in a unkind way. <laughs> I out-talked my brother Perry. <laughs> That's a miracle. <laughs> well, today I want to talk about the spiritual battle involved. So all of these are barriers we're going to look at, but today we're going to look at the spiritual battle involved in being a witness for Jesus Christ. And this comes from a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, a letter written by Paul to one of the churches uh, in the early uh, church, the early first century in the city of Corinth. And he's explaining to the Christians, uh, not unlike uh, this group here today, uh, what the purpose was and, and some of the dynamics that are going on. <clears throat> Paul writes, If the good news, the gospel we preach, is hidden behind the veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan 
who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said... For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's our text. I'm going to look at that Scripture kind of verse by verse and see how it applies to our topic and what we're talking about today. And the first verse there says, If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. Now, if I was doing a whole series just on this book, I could have talked about chapter 3, the, the few paragraphs before this. Paul was actually talking about the story when Moses came down from the mountain after spending, I think it was 40 days, in God's presence. And Moses' face actually shined. Okay? It wasn't that he had it like nice... Like, boy, you look like you had nice. Did you have a good cup of coffee? <laughs> no, his face was glowing. Okay, beaming. <laughs> okay, let's just face it. That was weird. Right. What if you What if you came to church one Sunday and all the lights were out and it was just my face? <laughs> And God said, you'd be scared, right? You know, so what Moses did, this is what Moses did, is everybody was freaking out. So he said, well, okay, sorry, I'll just, I'll just go around like, literally. He put a veil over his, his face. <laughs> because that was less weird. <laughs> All right. So, right? So maybe maybe uh maybe he had a little peak hole. <laughs> yeah, maybe this is why the the person still do this, you know. <laughs> All right. So Moses had this veil and Paul was referencing, he just talked about that story about the, the brilliance of God was so intense that it transformed Moses physically so that his face shone um, and that he had to hide his face. Uh, and Paul said that the, the Jews, in chapter 3, he said the Israelites, the, the, the Jewish culture, those who followed the law, he said that veil actually still remained over the Jews when they read Scripture so that they couldn't see. Yeah, the radiance, okay? So Paul was, was, was saying, hey, listen, remember that story when, when Moses came down to the mountain and he'd spent time with God and he was, he was transformed and that the Israelites couldn't deal with it, so he covered his face? Well, he said that, that veil 
figuratively now is over the face of every Jewish person when they read Scripture because they, they don't see the brilliance. They don't see what really is, was being communicated. They needed it filtered. Okay? Uh, but then Paul... It's very important they understand what's going on here, what, what Paul's talking about. It helps to understand the Bible. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> then he takes that historical reference, okay, of, of Moses... Applying it to the current Jews. <clears throat> but then he switches it. Because he's not, he's not talking to just Jews now. He's talking to the church in Corinth. And he's, he switches it to a bigger and current. In other words, this is what's happening now. That's what happened long time ago with Moses. And this is what happened, what's happening now in the, in the Israelites. that They can't see because of the veil. But then he says... He changes it and talks and applies his same imagery to what's happening now in the current revelation of God, which is the preaching of the gospel. Okay? And he says that now the veil isn't over the messenger, Moses. Now it's, it's over the hearers. It's over lost people. So if Aaron was lost, it's like we're preaching, but now the veil's over there. Yeah, he's like, well, he doesn't see a thing. <laughs> All right? And he's, he's using this image so that we understand what's going on. Moses put a veil over his face to not scare the Israelites. All right? Because he was like, they couldn't handle the, the, the unveiled presence of God. But now Paul is preaching unveiled. He's preaching the gospel unveiled. He's saying, this is what it's all... And that's what Jesus came. He came to unveil the truth. The truth that was always there throughout the whole Old Testament story, throughout the whole revelation of God from, from Genesis all the way through. But it was veiled. Because people couldn't handle. They reacted. Uh, uh, Paul's preaching unveiled, and he's telling us, the message is that we need to preach unveiled. Okay? We need to preach unveiled. Say, I need to preach. Unveiled. Unveiled. You know, there's a friend of mine who did a teaching with the group that we were with <clears throat> up in Muskegon, and one of his points was, as a pastor from Ontario, talking to the leaders of the churches, he, he, he was saying, you know, you need to learn how to get awkward. How to be awkward. Be being comfortable being awkward presenting the gospel. All right, you know because because it was awkward walking around with a face that was shining, and so Moses said, "Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'll just cover up." And Paul's saying, "Listen, guys, one, don't cover up. Learn how to shine, but then but realize that there's still a veil, and now the veils we can shine as bright as we want, but there's still a veil, and that veil is now over unbelievers." <clears throat> Even though my wife's a believer. <laughs> okay? It's the veil the enemy uses to cover the spiritual eyes of those who are lost. Alright? Uh, verse 4. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. The point of today's message and the barrier that I'm talking about is the barrier of the spiritual battle that is ongoing. <clears throat> Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay. 
Are you an, an ambassador? Do you, do you accept that you, as a Christ follower, you are now called to, to be an ambassador? All right. Okay. If, you, if that is true for you, then every single time that you are in the presence of someone who is not in right, right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, there is a spiritual battle going on. Okay? There is a demonic... Scary. It's not really scary. We actually live in, in, in the realm of, of the demonic 24-7. We just need to realize it. Right? There's a spiritual battle going on. All right? And that's what I want to talk about. And we need to believe this, and we need to understand it. And there's a lot of weird teaching, wacky teaching about uh, spiritual warfare and dealing with the enemy. And, <clears throat> and most Christians are pretty ignorant when it comes to how to, health, in a healthy way, deal with, with our adversary. But I just want to bring to the table that in evangelism, in extending the kingdom, in seeing the gospel presented to those who don't understand it or see it, is that really the barrier is Satan. Okay? The devil. Alright? And if we don't understand that, then you're not dealing with the biggest barrier there is. Alright? If you can't just ignore that, you're not going to be very effective at, at, at the, in the mission that we're called to, because that's the biggest obstacle. Now, let's just, talk, let's just look. Is there any other scripture that talks about this? Well, you know what? There are a few. <laughs> in Ephesians, Paul writing to another church in Ephesus, he's talking about the same condition that, we lived, uh, that we're living in. He says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. All right? And so Christians, you, the rest of the world, were in sin, obeying the devil. Ah! So if someone is sinning, whether they're Christian or not Christian, they're obeying the devil. But listen to how he's described. He says, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. Okay, so that means that when you're communicating the gospel... Or even if, if you're a non-Christian, if you're not fully convinced of the reality of Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, that's not just your opinion. That's actually the work of a spirit that is unseen. Now you can say, well that Bible is just wacky and I don't believe that and throw it away. But then you have to deal with, well the Bible's had a lot of positive influence over the 2,000 years, hasn't it? Actually, more than that, if you count the Old Testament, and talk about 6,000, 8,000 years, all right? And all the really brilliant people that, that, uh, that say, no, this Bible is true, people like Robbie Zacharias, who's alive today, one of the most brilliant men, men I've ever heard, you know, C.S. Lewis, uh, Tolkien, you know, all the people that, well, it's, it's got a good record, all the lives that have been transformed, right? But the Bible actually says that unbelief is the result of a spiritual work. Huh? Not just the condition of someone's heart, but a spiritual dynamic going on. How about, how about okay, that's what Paul, maybe Paul had it wrong. Well, let's ask Peter. 
Remember Peter? Jesus, yeah, he, he walked on water. Peter said, stay alert. Be careful. Stay on guard. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour. Wow. How about, how about John? John was the, 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 the apostle of love. Right? Beloved, let us love one another. I just love Jesus. <clears throat> well, John said, we know that we are children of God. And the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Now, did that make John uptight and scared? No, that made John go, I'm in love with Jesus. And we know we're children of God. But we also know that the whole world is under the sway. Is that actually how that word is, can be translated? Under the influence. So, <clears throat> if, if, if Aaron... Aaron, uh, Aaron. <laughs> I still have a hard time remembering Aaron's name. I always think, Aaron? Adam. No, Adam, Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> so, if, if Aaron is, is, is choosing to walk... You're just going to walk that way. Under the sway, I can, I can, I just swayed him. <laughs> and that's the influence. It's not like I have total control. The devil is like completely controlling him. But he can, he can direct, deflect. He can push. He, and, and says that the whole world is under the control of an enemy. So the gospel, our good news, has an enemy, and that enemy is the devil. And his method, according to Scripture in Second Corinthians, is to blind the minds of those who don't believe. And so we have to engage in this spiritual battle. Uh, in Ephesians, it probably addresses this most clearly when Paul talks about that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, when we're engaging in advancing the kingdom of God, and I'd like you to keep in mind that, that this scripture in, in Ephesians is most often understood in the context of your personal struggle. Oh, you're struggling with sin, or you're discouraged, or you're, you know, something bad's happened in your life. Well, you know what? You know, hang in there. Stand strong. But the context is Paul saying we are... If you read the, the following verses uh, uh, just after that, it's about him being an ambassador for Christ. And he says, this battle is about me having an open door to, to witness, to extend Christ's kingdom. It's about our battle. It's about your battle. It's about my battle to, to uh, pronounce and proclaim the lordship of Jesus Christ. But Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, in other words, in the, in, the, in the worldly realm, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. That, that's the battle we're engaged in. That's, that's what extending the kingdom is really uh, all about, that we're, we are communicating truth to individuals and trying to explain to them in their context. Okay, That's, that's a level. But there's another level underneath that that's influencing that, which is we're dealing with demonic strongholds. Alright? Is my point clear? <clears throat> and so the effect of the and the effect of the enemy's influence. So what the enemy's stronghold does, according to the scripture, is that it uh, it causes the lost to be unable to see. 
right? And so that they don't understand. It's that veil. So they can't see it and they can't get it. They can't understand it. And too often, Christians spend far too much time and energy trying to reveal the darkness of the world. All right? Too often we think it's our job to convince the lost that they're, that how lost they are. All right? That's not what we're about, that's not what we're called to communicate. All right? The gospel isn't about the veil. <laughs> Our job is not to point out the veil or to describe to a person who may have a veil on it. It's like, dude, you got a veil, man. Your veil is red, man. <clears throat> and your veil is long and it's got tassels on the end of it. And, and this is a bad veil, man. This veil is keeping you from Jesus. You know, uh, the focus is not the veil. Our job is to shine the message of the light so bright that the veil... You know, and I didn't have like a big honking flashlight, you know, that could, in a, they make them now. I could shine right through that, right? It might be tinted or shine up underneath it, you know? It's got the veil. Sorry, I keep using it. Do you like this? Oh, I love it. Yeah. Let's go. Jesus! Right? I'm sorry. <laughs> You'll remember this. You see, <clears throat> so don't focus on the veil. We need to know that the veil is there. The veil is the, 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 the work of the enemy that make it so that they can't see and they can't understand. But our job is just to shine the light. Don't get sidetracked. Don't pay attention to the veil. Realize <clears throat> uh, that what we have can burn through that veil. Alright? can get around the veil. And I love it. It's preached. Alright? And so, sound waves go right through the veil. That's good. Alright? Uh, you see, we do not go around preaching ourselves. This is the strategy. This is Paul's response. So the next verse. Uh, after pointing out that there's a veil, he says, this we don't go around preaching ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. This is our strategy. Okay, listen. If we understand the enemy that I've been talking about this morning, it would be easy to become intimidated. Alright? Who am I to come up against the second most powerful being in the universe? You ever think about it that way? You know, we are have to deal with Satan. Satan's pretty powerful. Who am I? And and actually Paul addresses this directly because he says this is what we do. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ is Lord and we're just servants. All right? And 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 that strategy overcomes. That's the strategy. I don't know if you're hoping for a more complex strategy. <laughs> <laughs> a more demanding strategy. Like if there, these are the seven steps. No, there's only one step. And the step is the person, Jesus Christ. Alright? You know, and we're just servants. Well, servants to who? Servants to all. <laughs> I'm a servant to Jesus Christ, first of all, because He's my Lord. But my Lord was a servant to everyone. He served lepers. He served prostitutes. 
You know, he 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 gave his life as a sacrifice, and so I follow his lead. So I'm just a servant. So when I see someone veiled, I'm their servant to proclaim Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus Christ, He's Lord. He's in charge. He's the real one that's in charge of the universe. Alright? We preach Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Be happy. Party. Because I've overcome the world. Jesus knew the demonic strategy. Right? He was engaged with it full on. He, it says in the Bible, He he grabbed the bars and tore the gates away. Speaking of the bars of hell and the rule of and the, and the power of, the, of death and Satan, okay, that in the spiritual realm he grabbed those and ripped them apart, freeing humanity, okay. <clears throat> and knowing that, he told his disciples, "Hey guys, cheer up! I've overcome the world." And when he said the world, he meant the whole world system. A whole world system that we learned in all these other scriptures is under the influence, the sway, the control of this dark, evil overlord, Darth Vader. No. Satan. Right? The emperor. The evil emperor. Isn't it interesting that so many of the stories actually parallel uh, gospel truth? That's because it's ingrained in our being. And when we recognize that the strategy is the proclamation of the person, Jesus Christ, and His His nature, Lordship, okay, not information about Christianity. Alright? Not doctrine, certainly not political perspectives, although they're great for if you like that, you can talk about that. But we're talking, the strategy that defeats the enemy, this dark Lord, is Jesus Christ. Lord of all, who came as a servant and died on the cross. Jesus knows you, loves you, and paid everything to have relationship with you. That disarms Every enemy. Verse 6, Paul says, same text back in Second Corinthians. He said, For God who said, Let there be light in darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Wow! There's a major thing happening here in Scripture. Okay? Paul, the author of, of, the, of the letter, and God, the author behind that author, ties in salvation with the creation story. Because the Scripture here references the original creation. Are you following me? So, the Bible says, just like when God said, let there be light in the original creation, now, it says, God is causing this light to shine in our heart. And so, salvation is new creation. Okay, that's the comparison that the majesty of God's uh, glory and power that was displayed when he created uh, the earth and he said, let there be light. Now, and, and, and maybe can I just propose that the whole reason that story is in the Bible is for us to understand what he's doing now. And if you understood the story of creation 
in light of the message about what God is at is doing now, rather than arguing about how God did it at the beginning of creation, we'd get a lot more out of that story. Does that make sense? Why do I say that? Because that's how the New Testament handles the story of creation. It looks at it as a, 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 a teaching about what God is doing now. I hope you understand what I mean by that. Because what God's doing now is He's, caught, he's speaking new creation into the hearts and minds of the people around us. And, and, and then to us. You know, that's what we're preaching. That light. So God spoke everything into, into, uh, into being when He said, let there be light in the original creation. And now He's speaking forth new life, says, in the face of Jesus Christ. And so when we shine Jesus' face um, to people who are covered in the veil, that veil doesn't have a chance. Alright? It doesn't have a chance because what happens is salvation, uh, the message, Jesus sneaks through and, and bam, they know the truth and something changed. They experience hope, truth, alright? And that word that we shine for can actually mean to beam, to beam, just like Moses did. That's what it means to be a, a minister of the gospel, uh, is the beam, to shine forth. I'm going to have Aaron come up and close uh, this message with a, a time of response. Would you welcome him? Amen. Thanks. Yeah. Great word. Well, in order to respond to that message, I think it would be appropriate for me to come around to each one of you and put this veil over your face so you just get a true understanding of what it, like, it feels like to be veiled. <laughs> just joking. I'm not going to do that. But maybe just hit a little payback here. There we go. All right. So, let's start with this. Some of us here today might, this might be new to you, like, hey, what does this mean? And my question to you is, are you able to see that light? Do you still have that veil over your face? And I'm here to tell you this morning that, that, that God can remove that. He can remove it completely. And you can accept Jesus into your life. And you too can shine forth that light. You can go from being veiled to unveiled through the power of um, a simple prayer and commitment um, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's you this morning and you, and you want to make that commitment, we're going to have a prayer team up here in a, in a few minutes. And um, you'll have the opportunity to, to give your life to the Lord. Um, for those of you who this morning are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of, of, of Jesus. I think this, this submits to us a pretty big challenge. Are we letting our light shine forth in such a way that it penetrates the veil, that it like moves under the veil, goes around the veil, whatever it might be to, to do that? But let's, let me just give you a, a very simple example from my life just to, see, to show you how practically it looks. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I, w- I'm, I worked for the newspaper, the Kalamazoo Gazette, and a, I was with a coworker, and I was explaining to him, we were just having a conversation, I was explaining to him that, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I'm the leader of the youth group at my church. And he's like, oh, that's cool. And he's like, well, that kind of explains to me why you're not cynical yet. Oh. I was like, oh, well, that's great. People are noticing that I'm different. And in that moment, I could have s- said, you know, my light was shining enough that he noticed it. I could have just said, yeah, that's cool, and just and, and shifted the conversation away. But instead, I see an opportunity. His veil has been lifted maybe just ever so slightly in that moment. And I had an opportunity 
to really let the light shine through and actually use my words. And I didn't come over and, and, and you know, bash him on the head with the Bible. I just explained to him, yeah, I, I don't feel like I'm cynical. And it would be easy to become that way in our business. But the reason for the hope that I have is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and it wasn't weird. It wasn't awkward. He's like, oh. And he's like, you know, I've been meaning my, my kids. I've, I wanted them to know what other people believe. I want, I've been wanting them to un- understand what, why people have faith. He's an atheist. And, and I was like, invite him to church. You know, come, come to our church. You're welcome anytime. He hasn't showed up yet. But, you know, the light was shined forth in that moment. And I believe that there's going to be more opportunities for that. So practically, that's what it looks like. In some ways, shining your light is nothing more than just living out your life and your true identity as a, as a son or a daughter of, of, of God. And you don't have to try. You don't have to strive. It's just living it out. I'm not cynical at work. People notice that. Why is that? But the second part is crucial, is that we have to be able to put into words the reason for the hope that we have. And we have to be able to communicate the gospel in that way. That's how we let our, our light shine forth. Um, so this morning, um, would you just stand with me? I want to pray um, for us that we would have that light, that we would radiate that light in a major way. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, would you close your eyes, open up your arms. We're just going to receive um, more of the Holy Spirit, more of that light this morning. I, I believe that he wants to do that. Father God, we're just so thankful for who you are, that you are the source of that light, that we don't need to conjure it up. We don't need to say some kind of incantation. All we have to do is say yes to you, and we say yes to you this morning. Holy Spirit, come, fill up every single person in this room with your Holy Spirit, from the tip of their toes to the top of their head. Holy Spirit, invade. I pray that your light would shine brightly, radiantly, in a way that people have never experienced, even right now, God, and that we would carry that light outside these four walls and that at work, at the grocery store, on the streets, wherever it might be, that our light would shine, that we would penetrate past the veils of people's hearts and that we would see salvations. That we would see salvations, Lord. That we would see people um, have their lives transformed by the power of the gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Use us. We say yes. We say yes to you. I pray... And you can, you can agree with me in this or you cannot. It's a bold prayer. We pray this this morning for opportunities. Yeah. We pray for opportunities yeah. um, to, to share the good news um, of Jesus Christ with others. That people would notice that we're different. That they would notice, oh, why are you this way? And that we would be quick to share the reason for the hope that we have. And that is you, God. We pray for opportunities in Jesus' name. I pray for a stirring of hearts right now, a passion for your gospel, a a passion for the person of Jesus, and a passion to grow your church, a passion for revival, God. Let us be a church that is growing, that we would add to our numbers daily, those who believe, God. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. You are the source of the light, and you are the source of the power. We trust in you. In your name we pray.